I get excited about the Lord, I get excited about His Word, and, and uh, you know, we talked, I think it was a, a few weeks ago, when we sing these songs, do we really recognize the words for what they are? Just trust and obey, and as we're, we're going to be coming out of Haggai again and again, um, if you go to Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, go back, I think it's three books, you will find Haggai, very short book, two chapters, uh, but there's some powerful things in there. And we've been talking about trusting and obeying God's word. We've talked about the temple, but some of the things struck me in this trust and obey hymn, and it's a timeless hymn, and it's a beautiful hymn. If you listen to the words that are in our first verse, you know, when we walk in the light of his word, again, we understand the uh, importance of being in God's Word. So when we walk in the uh, light of His Word, it says what a glory He sheds on our way. And we're going to be talking about God's glory today. And it talks about He abides with us still. We're going to talk about where God says, I am with you. Be strong. And we need to understand it, the second verse. But it's, we are blessed when we trust and obey. And I often tell people that if you are not willing to follow God's word, we cannot really expect the blessings. God may bless us in spite of those things, but we can't really expect it. But the Bible tells us that if we are walking in his way, we can expect some blessings in our life. We can also expect some hardships that are going to come our way because we are uh, in this world. But in the, the third verse, it says, until all on the altar we lay. Are you laying it all on the altar? Are you holding some things back from God? And it says, And the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Many times in our life we are missing joy, we are missing peace, because we haven't given it all to him. And then the last chapter, the last uh, stanza of that song, it, it tells us, Never fear, only trust and obey. And so we're going to talk about that today as we get into the scriptures. And as we read through Haggai, you know, the question is God first. Are we putting God first in our life in the things that we are doing? And so Ezra tells us how when the people first arrived at Jerusalem, that they were excited about building the temple. They were excited. They were enthused about the work of God. And there are times in our life when we get really enthused and we get really excited about the work of God, about what God is doing in and around us. But it wasn't long until the cleared ground had laid dormant, uh, the weeds began to grow, and it, it talked about um, the work ceased. And we talked about that it ceased for quite a while. And it was almost like the whole package of people just sort of all at once just sort of said that we're not doing this anymore and they stopped that work and it says that they stopped for somewhere around 14 years and so God's work was not being completed for 14 years and nothing was really happening and uh, as we come into today we're going to start in the end of chapter one we're going to begin into chapter two of Haggai so if you found that in your Bible Verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, and the, the high priest, 
with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God in the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked in the house of the Lord, they worked on the house of the Lord of the hosts, their God. And in the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month, in the second year of King Denarius. So we see that the work began. And God would tell them, consider your ways. We read through that and we talked about that last week. To consider, oops, to consider our ways of what God has for us as his people. And so we're trying to make parallels between a historic event and maybe what God is talking to us about today. And I said maybe we can uh, compare ourselves as the temple of God because God says we are the temple of God. Right now, we are his people. As people, we are the church. It's not this building anymore. Old Testament, it was the building. That's what the glory of the Lord was in the presence of that temple. But now he fills us. And so are we taking care of our spiritual temple in our body? Or are we letting the work stop? Are we letting the weeds grow? Are we letting it muddy over? In Haggai 2, and we'll just read up through the ninth uh, verse today. And then we'll go back and talk about this a little bit. But it says this, in the seventh month of the 21st, in the seventh month on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, in the work for which I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, as my spirit remains amongst you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord God of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple, temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in its place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And so here we're looking at what God is saying to his people. As the new temple began to rise out of the ashes, so they began this work again. It had been sort of buried in mud. It had been forgotten. The wood had been taken by the people to build their own houses of panel. The work of God had stopped, and here it is again. Now that it's coming, and it's beginning to be built up again. They're clearing the land. They're, they're getting it all ready to build. And the scripture tells us this, that some of the older people began to doubt and question. And sometimes older people get 
a bad rap for things, and I'm including myself in this now because we have been through things, and we've seen things, and we've seen great things, and we've seen terrible things, and so we tend to find a comfort zone that we like to be in. And sometimes change comes a little harder to us the older that we get. Again, myself included, I, I get now where I get up in the morning, and a lot of times I'll maybe ask Julie what's the, on the agenda for today, and until she has a cup of coffee and wakes up a little bit, she, she can't focus much on what the agenda is. And so right away I set an agenda in my head, well, this is what I want to do today, I want to accomplish all these things today. And then she becomes alert and she says, oh, but we've got to do this and this and this. And I find that just like, throw, even though I haven't started anything, it's like just throwing a, a monkey wrench into my day. It's like, oh, I have my day all planned. You know, I find myself not as flexible as I once was. But the older people came here and we see, and they began to question and they began to really doubt this work of the new temple. And that can be something that as we get older, sometimes we find ourselves in doubt. Even though we've always seen God at work and God doing great things, we can begin to doubt things sometimes. But these older people started making comparisons to the former temple. You know, the Bible says it's not wise for us to compare ourselves with others. And I would say it's not wise for us to compare present things sometimes with past things. We look back and we can glean and we can grab things from the past and we can learn from the past and we can have fond memories of the past. But a lot of times our past is a little bit skewed because we tend to remember those great memories. And what we find here is that some of this remnant of people, they were around 60, 70 years prior to this when the former temple was there. They saw Solomon's temple. Now, I don't know this week if you were able to go and, and read about Solomon's temple or not, but it was a, a phenomenal piece of work. It was a thing of beauty to behold as you looked at it. Now, I remember when I was growing up, my grandma used to watch uh, one of the TV programs, uh, church programs, and uh, I think it was Robert Schuller. I am not a fan of his theologically or any other ways. But he had a church that was called the Crystal Palace. And when you would see this church, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty to behold. You can go down to Mexico, you can look at some of the Catholic churches down there, you walk in there and it's just like, these things are phenomenal. These things are, are beauty, the structure, the, the artwork, the uh, attention to detail is fantastic in those things, even though they're just a building. But we see this with these people of God, that some of them were around during Solomon's temple, and all the gold that was there, and all the silver that was there, and probably just the, the work, the, the craftsmanship that was there. And they saw this when Solomon's temple stood in all of its glory. And now they're looking at these young people, they're looking at some dirt and weeds, and they see them starting to uh, clean up. And, and, you know, their question uh, probably is, is, you know, you really think that this is ever going to amount to anything? I remember when, and we can go back to those things. And we hear that all the time. I mean, as a pastor, I remember when I, in our first pastor up north when I was there, a lot of times when we would begin things, I remember I had a man on the board, and oh man, he'd frustrate me at times, 
But we would talk about things that we rented a building when we were first there. And it was like three, four years before I knew that the church had purchased land many, many years before with a different pastor who had a vision and it was just a prime location. And as our church began to grow, one of our thoughts was, well, maybe we need to look at getting something more permanent here in town. We got the land, we have this, and this one person says, we've talked about that many times before in the past, and it's never come to be. It's just like throwing cold water on a person. And it was just like trying to douse the enthusiasm because our people were excited about it. Our people were thinking, yes, now is the time. But it took one person to say, well, we've tried that in the past and it's never worked. And it just sort of cooled everything down. And again, when we got back on track and got our eyes on the Lord, the Lord did some great work through that. And so, and the end result was is that God blessed that church tremendously. The people of that church, it's still being blessed today. I saw a picture of uh, one of our deacons who's been leading our youth group ever since, I mean, for years and years up there. And I think he had like 60 or so kids in his house is where he holds this youth group. Some, some of you know him, Ed Gavoyna, he was holding this thing and he had a picture from upstairs down on all these kids. The Lord is still blessing up there. And when we keep our eyes on the Lord and, and when we say that God can do it, maybe I can't, but God can, things change. And so we saw these people um, that were trying to say this temple is never going to compare to what we had back then. Why are we even trying to do this? And there, there was some good progress going on, but again, the progress began to stop. And the Lord quotes their words in Haggai 2.3. He says this, Who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? So the question was there, how many of you were around back when this and that? You know, one of the things I've heard of our church here, and I'm, I'm glad for it, is they used to have an Awana club, and they would talk about all the kids from Awana that would come here, and, and it was like, well, why can't we, you know, and we compare ourselves back. And it's not that it can't happen again. It's that God could probably do a greater work. But he says, who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Because they're talking about, remember all the gold? Remember the silver? Remember, remember how, how, how just fantastic the craftsmanship was? And look at what they're doing over here. How does this look to you now? And they can just, it's just like throwing cold water on a situation. Does it seem to you like nothing? And it was those words that were spoken to those people at that time that just sort of put cold water on the whole situation. And so they stopped the work. They stopped doing it. You know, they probably said something like this. Do you call this a temple? They're trying their best to, to build it up. Now, I've heard about that even in town here. We have a, a church up the road that used to be a car dealership. You know, this, this used to be a gym that we're sitting in right here. This was our education building. And when we made the transition over here, I had somebody come up and say, you know, all the churches nowadays are beginning to look like garages, old garages. Oh. You know, well, when we look in the past, there's some beautiful churches. Our church was beautiful. Just, it wasn't feasible to keep it going. There's beautiful buildings around, but we understand that this is just the building. We are the church. Those that gather together are the church. But those people were saying, you call this a temple? 
this heap of ruins here? Really? You're really going to build this up to, to the glory of God? We saw Solomon's temple. And what, are you build, what you are building here is nothing compared to that. See, there's the comparison. You know, we can be very hurtful with those things too. Because we can be excited about God's word. And God's word is the most important thing. When we look at a lot of different churches today, or buildings that, that have gatherings together, and not to be critical, but I mean, you can look at them, and not that we have everything right, because we don't. But some of them, it's like, they're there for entertainment. They go there to do their thing, and, and you know, they have, you know, I, I've seen churches where they've, they've got like 45 minutes of music going on, and, you know, they may have a little uh, show about something that they're doing for missions or something like that, and the pastor gets up and he gets like a little 20-minute slot, and then they have another 15 minutes of music as they close, and, and that's their church service. And they say, well, we're reaching out to people. And I sort of wonder, where did we lose the emphasis on God's Word? Where did we lose the emphasis on that which is really important? We get caught up in the external things of this world many times. Is this temple going to compare to that? All the gold and silver that was in that temple. Now that was a temple. You know, we can look back and say, you know, well, you call this a church, this used to be a gem. You know, back in the day when this was, a, now that was a church. You know, we can compare and we can bring down, but where are the people? Where's their hearts towards God is the question, really. And he says, besides, you don't even have any gold and silver. These people were still under oppression. They didn't have gold or silver. They weren't going to be able to decorate this new temple anywhere. It's close to Solomon's temple. And they're throwing cold water, more cold water. How are you going to decorate this temple? How are you going to make this look like a place of worship that's going to bring God the glory? And so you know what happened? The people got discouraged. And they said this really, you know, you know, you're right. We're not going to be able to do this. And so they laid down their tools and they walked away. We don't have anything that's ever going to compare to what was. So why even bother doing this? And that's a dangerous place spiritually. And I think that's why a lot of churches today are, are lukewarm, or a lot of people in the church are lukewarm, because they don't even want to go ahead. They just don't think it's possible to do what God wants to do. So, do we remember what happened? It says this in Ezra uh, 3, I think 12 and 13. Was it? it says that the old men wept, and the young ones were cheering. And it says there was such a noise that was going on. It says, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud as they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts from the joy or the sounds of weeping because the people made such a noise. And the sound was heard far away. It says, as they began this temple, that a lot of them that had been in the former things, a lot of them that were the discouragers, they were weeping loudly. They were complaining. It's not just crying loudly, but they were complaining, they were discouraged, they were loud about it. But there was another remnant that was there that was excited about what was going on and excited about God, what God was doing, and they were shouting. So we can liken it to the riots that we see today. We have some people there that are angry 
right? They're out on the streets and they're angry and they're protesting and they're shouting. And we have others that are out there trying to give a good news message or a better message that's there and everybody's hollering and some people are hurt and crying and some are, are you know, just pillaging. And we have all this noise going on and you can't tell what it is, but one thing you know, it's loud, right? You hear all the noise that's going on and that's what the scriptures tell us. It says there was so much noise that the sound was heard far away. It really shows us that nothing really changes. You know, even now, people complain about new technology that we have. As we've gone through this COVID thing, you know, one of the options was, you know, well, can we do some video service? Can we record this? Can we get it on YouTube? Can we do Facebook Live? Can we, you know, there's all these different technologies. And, and I was really surprised at how many people just resisted that. Oh, that's, that's not as good as, we love being together as a family. This is great. This is wonderful. But some people today, they just want to resist change. They want to resist some of the technology that goes on. And, and they fight so hard that, that we miss the boat on something. I, I read an article this last week, which was, it was sort of interesting on a bunch of different levels. But it talked about that even though a lot of churches are allowed to reopen right now, there's like 66% or so um, that aren't opening yet. They have decided not to open. And some of the feedback that has come through this, this article, I think it was, uh, it was put out by a Christian, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the article right now, but it's on our Facebook page. Um, but some of the criticisms of that, well, this is terrible. You know, if, if they can meet together, they should be meeting together. And, and, you know, we take away maybe what God is doing and what God is speaking about. We've chosen to open, but we've chosen to tell people, be safe, you know. If you don't feel like you need to be here, if you feel like you need to social distance, if you feel like you don't want to sit next to somebody or hug somebody or shake hands with somebody, don't do it. We honor that right. That's fine. If you're okay with hugging somebody and they're okay with a hug, go ahead. And I've seen it both happen today. I see some people that just sort of want to stay apart from each other. I've seen some people come together and give each other hugs. That's fine. We leave that to people. But I thought, if we really knew that there was a danger to our people here, I wouldn't want us to meet here. If there is a, a real health danger, sometimes in the winter when we have a big snowstorm, we call and we cancel service. Now some people, they don't like, oh no, you shouldn't do that. Well, we do it because we just don't want people out on the road. Because I know that we have people that love church and they love to come together and they'll risk coming in on a, on a dangerous road. You know, because they're not thinking about that. They just want to come to church and, and be a part of the family. They will come to church uh, just because the doors are open. That's not safe. That's not caring for your people. So some of these churches have said, you know, right now our state law allows us to have church but in our city, the numbers are really climbing fast. And we don't think it's a safe thing for our people to do. And some people are critical of that. And I just think that that's something that as, as spiritual people, when we pray to God as a board, as a church, or as they pray as a church, God gives them discernment of those things that they should do. And so when we look at these things of, of building the temple and, and we say, has things changed? We find out sometimes that, that things really haven't changed. 
Some people are really just so caught up in the past that they cannot really get excited about what God is doing in the present. And I want us to be excited about what God is doing in the present. I really feel, and I felt through this whole thing, that those that honor God by following his word, by spending time in prayer, that want to reflect Jesus in their life, God is going to bless us as a church. We've gone through some droughts. We've gone through some difficult times in this church. But I really believe that God wants to bless us and that he will bless us by our obedience. Does that mean that we're not going to have tough times? No, we're going to have tough times. If we are going to stand up for God's word and we're going to stand up for what God wants us to do, there will be difficult times. These young people that began to uh, rebuild the temple, uh, it wasn't an easy task. They were coming up against some opposition, not only from the other side, from the governmental side at this point, but even from those within their church from those with, within their same belief system. They were struggling. And so God says, consider your ways. Are we really considering our ways of what God has for us? What did God say to those who discouraged the work of those others? And we don't always think of ourselves as discouragers, but I want you to think about the words that you say and, and maybe how you say them. Do you have a critical spirit? Which, by the way, is not a gift of the spirit. You know, some people say, well, that's my gift. My gift is criticism. No, that's not a gift. Uh, common sense is a gift, or, or giving godly advice, or sage advice is, is a gift. But what did he say about those who discouraged the work of God? Uh, first, he reminded them of his presence. And in Haggai 2, 4, it says this, But now be strong, O Zubabim, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak. The high priest, be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord God Almighty. Three times he says, be strong. Be strong. Don't have a, a defeatist attitude. Don't give in to those pressures of the world. Don't give in to those that want to criticize you. Listen, if you've got a ministry that you believe God is drawing you to or leading you to or has you involved in, and somebody may come up and say, why are you wasting your time with that? They don't appreciate it anyways. They're not listening to you. You need to be strong and stand in opposition to that because they are discouragers. They are criticizers. And so three times he says, be strong. He tells the governor, the government, he says, be strong. He tells the high priests, be strong. And he tells the remnant of the people, be strong. It takes all of us to be strong, to accomplish that which God has for us. And this be strong isn't just the, the bodybuilders or the muscle. You know, somebody tells me be strong today. I can't be strong. I can't probably lift what I should. You know, I probably shouldn't be lifting anything. But, you know, I can't do what I used to do. Okay? That's not the strength he's talking about here. When he's talking about strength here, he's talking about a stubbornness, a determination. Have you ever just been stubborn and said, you know, I'm going I'm to do this. I am going to work my way through this. Now, if God is with you in this, that's a great thing to, to have. When we raise our kids, then we used to tell them, you need to learn to stick with something until it's complete. You need to learn to see it through. That's what this be strong is. We need to learn to see it through. We can be discouraged 
by things in our life because it just rubs us the wrong way or you know the criticisms come in and so it's so much easier sometimes just to bury our head or to walk away or to turn our backs to that situation than to be strong and to stand up for what you know is right for what you know what God's word says when we walk in his way in the light of his word right when we're following his word that's not an easy path because the rest of the world wants to discredit God's word. The rest of the world wants to chip away. They're going to say you're intolerant. They're going to say that, that you don't have love for people. They can't differentiate out there that, that we love people but we hate sin. And they want us to accept sin of others in our life. God says, no, be strong. And so he tells these three groups of people, be strong, be stubborn, be determined in what you have been called to do. You need to persevere. And how many times does the scripture talk about he who perseveres to the end? He who perseveres. That means seeing it through. There's a lot of people in the world today that like to start things. But when it gets going and it gets a little tough, they drop out. They walk away from it. God says, I want you to see it through. And so he's telling these people, I want you to see it through. Not only were they to be strong, but they were to work. Okay? They weren't just to sit back and tell others what to do, but they were to work themselves. You see, faith is not only about being. Sometimes we say, well, we have faith. You know what the Bible says? If we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Read the book of James. James is an excellent book on faith. Faith without works is what? You know that, right? So when they're talking about faith here, faith includes works. Now those works are, are, can be a variety of different things. It doesn't mean we all do the same thing. But faith is an action word. It means that we are doing something active for the Lord. And so it's not just about being, it's about doing, it's about engagement, it's about involvement. Are you engaging with God in the work He is doing? Are you involved with God in the work He is doing? Are you involved in the church with the work that the church is doing or the ministries that are out there that are doing the work of God? You know, we got some missionaries in here and we got missionaries abroad that have given their life, they go out and do that work. And I'm sure next time that we have hands of service, so well, you could ask them, have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever felt like throwing your hands up? But they have a love of people. They have a love of the Lord. That's why they call it hands of service. It's not just their hands. It's the hands of God working through others to do the work that God has called to do. God was telling those people in Haggai, keep working. I am with you. That's where the strength comes from. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I have to stand in my own power, my own might, I will fail. And I have failed in my own strength, in my own power. But when God calls us to do something and we're walking in His word and we're walking in His power and we're walking in His might, it's going to come to pass. We are going to have success in that. And he says, and when I am in your midst, you don't need to worry about how it's going to turn out. Because we believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe that God is working behind the scenes. 
that takes away so much anxiety. It takes away so much, you know, even depression in our life. When we know that God is in control, and when I've laid it all on the altar, when all on the altar I lay, I've given it all to you, God. It's out of my hands now. It's into yours. All I need to do is follow you. I don't need to worry about that. If somebody gives me good directions to find some place that I need to be, and I know that they know what they're talking about, I don't worry about getting lost no matter where I'm at, if I'm in the backwoods somewhere. Because I know that the directions are right. Do you believe in God? He tells us what? He says, consider your ways. And here's the most important thing as we leave today. Haggai 2, 7 through 9. I will fill this temple with glory. This is God saying this. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. One of the things I want to tell you is God is saying, guess what, people? You are looking at the wrong things. The glory of Solomon's temple wasn't the gold and the silver and the craftsmanship. Though they were beautiful, that wasn't the glory. The glory of that temple was my presence in it. And he says in this new temple, he says, the glory of this latter temple will be greater because I'm going to inhabit this temple. And I will bring the glory into this temple. How many times do we look at the things of this world, tangible things, and say, well, I'm going to put all my trust in this. I'm going to put all my trust in that. You know, do I got a good uh, bank account? Do I got a good job? Is my job secure? Uh, what about my health? You know, all these things that we look at. And do you know like that, that stuff can be gone. You know, you look at the, the de depressions that we've gone through and the recessions that we've gone through. Those things can be gone. The world can change. We're going through Revelation. We're reading about all sorts of world-changing events that are going to come. And guess what? When that stuff hits... It's not going to matter what you have. Our trust needs to be in the Lord. God says, I will fill this temple with glory. The silver and the gold, that's all mine. Do you understand that? When we come and we give our tithes and our offerings, do you understand that you're giving back to God a portion of what he has given you? It's all his. It's not ours. We like to try to hold it, but what did it say at the beginning of Haggai? We're putting, you know, money in bags with holes in it. You know, we're drinking and we're still thirsty. We're eating and we're still hungry. God says, all this is mine, says the Lord. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And he says, and in this place, I will give peace. Do you have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you worried? Are you stressing? Have you given it all to the Lord? Have you laid it all on the altar? Do you want his peace? There's a reason they call him the Prince of Peace. Because he gives us that peace that surpasses all understanding. The world will say, have all these things here and you'll have peace in your life. And God says, no. Unless I am where I belong in your life, unless I am the center of your world and your universe, you will not have the peace. Mm -hmm. You will search and you will work for it and you will try to fill that void, but nothing's going to fill that void 
except me. The people were learning something. The remnant was learning something about God. That when we walk in His ways, when we follow His ways, when we consider our ways and where we're at and where we need to be, when we walk in those things, God is going to be with us and He's going to give us the peace. He's going to give us the strength. He's going to give us the wisdom. He's going to give us the understanding. He's going to give us everything that we need. But it only comes through Him. You can't generate it yourself. You can't make it happen yourself. Only through Him. Have you put God first? Are you giving it all to Him? Are you being discouraged by others? Are you being determined to do that which God has called you to do? For some of us, it takes us a long time. We know what God wants to do in our life. And in my life in the past, and I want to close here because we get long, but there's been times in my life when I've known God has wanted something for my life and I've drugged my feet and I've hung on to something because it's like, are you sure God? Are you sure God? I'm just not sure. I'm torn about this. I'm torn about that. But once I step into where I know that he wants me to be, all that leaves. All that stress, all that anxiety, all that worry, all that confusion, all that doubt leaves. And I can hear the words of the world trying to criticize trying to discourage me. But they bounce off me because I've found his peace. And I know I am where he wants me to be. Are you where God wants you to be? Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you speak to us in a variety of ways. Through prayer, through others, most importantly through your word. And Lord, we struggle sometimes with getting and being where it is that you want us to be. But Lord, we know that you continue as your children to get after us. As a matter of fact, in our life as a child of yours, if we're not where we belong, you don't leave us alone. You continue to do your work to get us where we need to be. We thank you, Lord, that you are a loving God who does that. We thank you that you have instilled your love in us that we can love people more than things. We can love people more than freedoms. We can love people more than the rights that we have. And the only reason that we can do that is because you love us. You have given us a liberty that sets us free from all these other things that tend to snag us and hold us down. So Father, help us to continue to walk in your ways and to follow you where you lead. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. people thought, well, this is the end times where this is, you know, the beginning of the revelations and, and the, the, the pains of this. And though we're closer to it, if anybody that has read through revelations knows that this isn't it, because when those things hit, we're going to know for sure. So as I was looking at, at other believers, especially, I knew how the world would respond and the and we don't expect much different from the world, but when I looked at Christians, 
I thought, where's your love for one another? Where's your care for one another? There were some that were so eager to get back, they didn't really care about maybe the health of others. Now, over the last three, six, eight weeks, we've learned a lot more about this virus. We've learned some of the things that can help minimize it or to a great extent prevent it. But through these times when we're in uncertain times, what is it that we are doing as believers to show the world a different pattern? I had Christians even say, well, what do you think about the bars being open and this being open and not the churches? And, and I thought to myself, since when do we set our pattern after the world as a church? We as a church are called to be different, unique, to set the standard, not to follow the pattern of the world. And so through this, I've sort of tried to keep my eyes open to what is God saying to his church? And I believe in my heart that God really showed me that those that would stay faithful to his word through this time, he would bless. And those that didn't were going to find themselves in difficult times. And so what is it about God's word that we need to obey or needed to obey? And of course, if you've listened over the last several months of the messages of the last couple months, you know, I believe that Romans 13 and, and uh, 1 Peter 2 were really instrumental to us telling us to uh, obey the authorities that were over us. That was God's command. And people would bring up Hebrews, you know, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. That's a legitimate thing. But that was used in a time when it was saying that there were those that were straying from the faith, and so don't be like them to stray away. And I'm not minimizing the gathering together. This is great to be together. We need to be together. Others would use out of the book of Acts when Peter and John got released from prison and were told not to preach Christ. And they said, we are to obey God rather than man. And so I, I've seen these Christians that were saying, oh, well, we're to obey God more than man. But the thing is, the government didn't tell us we couldn't preach Christ. As a matter of fact, we probably reach more people now than we ever have before. We have our local group that meets our, our, you know, our, our handful of people here, 30, 40 people that we reach here, but now we have people that have been watching from all over the United States, and some have made comments on our deals. Others just from even surrounding communities that have watched us. I have friends that say, I get to hear many different sermons on a Sunday. And the unfortunate thing is some pastors are threatened by that. Some churches are threatened by that, that their people may be listening to something else. But I think it's great because we can grow and we can learn from everything. I listen to other sermons. I read other pastors. I, I watch things when I'm up here working. As you've seen, we've done a lot of work in, in the church here. We've, we've built this. We've cleaned out a couple of rooms back there. We've just been sanitizing, clean. And while we do that, we have teachings that are on. God has called us to be different, to do something different, to be challenged by this and to grow. And I don't think God really wants us to go back to what normal was because what was normal? For a lot of us, it was just we come to church Sunday, we hear a little bit of the word and we just go about and live our life. God has not called us as Christians to do that. He has called us to go out into the world, to be a light into the world, to be